That's right. Yo, my bad. Sorry if I came on a little bit too hype. I just got finished listening to um, Edgewood by the dude Trouble from Atlanta. And I had been listening to Rhapsody and Fonte early. And I ain't want to come into the joint too, you know, too mellow. Because they got like a smoother, I don't want to say more dog to say. It's more mellow music, more mellow hip-hop. And I didn't want to come into the podcast like that. So I went and I listened to Trouble. And I shit, I might go sell a whole brick after this. That shit had me hype. <laughs> shit had me extra hype anyway no playing this ride by me blackout on apple music i hope you're listening to it here because i don't follow none of them other shits personally except for the youtube page but yeah man that's about it i uh, hope you enjoy this monday because that's when you should get this i got a little bit of news nothing uh nothing too uh crazy well something actually really crazy and then one little piece of news that's not really surprising at all and the not surprising part is that apparently the current president and one of the asshole hosts from uh, Fox News share the same lawyer. Now, let, let's just put these pieces together real quick. You have a president that favors one news network over the other, a news network who has had multiple women complain about sexual harassment in the workplace, and then just the unfair treatment of William, uh, women in the workplace at the Fox News network. Then you have the current president who's been accused by, I say, at least maybe five women of some type of sexual misconduct, I'll say. I won't, I won't say sexual assault. I'll say sexual misconduct and, you know, the tape that he, they had from about a few years ago. Now, people, they say don't judge him by that videotape, but shit, he was judging Obama on where the fuck he thought he was born. Let, let's, just, let's just be real. And you got to think, if that videotape was from when he was... 15 it would be completely different but at the time that tape came out he was well into his adulthood he was a senior at that time so i don't think he he's changed too much i mean you have woman after woman coming out with accusations and don't get don't get it wrong like a lot of these women were fucking with him when he was involved so my sympathy level for them is low but it still points to the character of that individual which i'm talking about because i don't even really like saying his name y'all know um the orange orangutan, as some pastor called him, that shit was hilarious. But it doesn't, it doesn't make, it doesn't make me go ah really that him and this uh, cat Sean Hannity share the same lawyer. They both have income that exceeds most, like ninety nine point nine percent of Americans, and they both high profile individuals. So it makes sense for them to have a high profile lawyer. Unfortunately for them, it's a lawyer that's caught up in some shit right now, which makes them both look a little worse than they already do. And it just conf confirms, I won't say confirm, it would just make me feel like the president has that direct line to at least one political commentator versus him being partisan in, his, in the way he does shit. So, of course, they're going to lean that way. That network does that anyway. So, it's not really a big surprise. It just kind of makes me feel more secure in what my thought was, I guess. The other bit of news is sad. So there was a shooting in Tennessee. Some guy decided to shoot up a Waffle House. That's why I, I don't fuck with Waffle House. I don't know why everybody likes that shit. I will take my black ass to Denny's or IHOP any day of the week before I set foot in the Waffle House. I don't know why anybody eats there. Especially if you had something so delicious and delectable as Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, which is amazing. Mm, goddamn Roscoe's. The best one for me is probably in North Hollywood off by Gower Street, North Gower Street. Anyway, yeah, apparently this guy, they say he had AR-15, but, you know, they, being the media, whoever reported on the story and put it on my little news app on my phone, they say the man had AR-15 is an anti-gun propaganda. I sure should hope not because they're saying people died. Are we ready for gun control yet? Are we ready? 
are we ready? I know, I know, I talked about this a lot a few weeks ago, but this, I'm just saying, are we, are we ready for gun control yet? Are we ready? And I know what, the AR-15 is not a fully automatic assault rifle. I know that. I get that. I understand. And I know there are people out there, the majority of people fighting against this are responsible gun owners. I give you that. A lot of people that want guns to be available are trained. They promote training. I give you that 100%. But there's a segment of that society that lets the guns go to the street level and then you had a gang and drug wars and then that's what my problem is. That's what my issue is with the guns and shit because I've said it a thousand times on this shit before. It's like when that shit pours over into the into my side of the tracks. It's like the reverse of when people care about the drug game. When the drugs is in a bad, fucked up neighborhood, nobody cares. Drugs are for minorities only. When that shit hitting the white neighborhoods, we got to stop it. Me, I'm in, I'm in the reverse when it comes to the gun control shit. When y'all got them in y'all neighborhood, I don't give a fuck. If y'all going hunting or y'all shooting for sport, which to me is crazy because you just paying money to waste bullets, I don't know. If you're not hunting or protecting your house, I don't really know why you want them, but cool. But when that shit comes over to neighborhoods and people I've intermingled with and people I know and people of that same kind of kind of cloth, I'm just saying I would rather never not have access to a rifle that can be altered that way. And I just want the wave of guns going into neighborhoods where it's already high crime to stop. That's it. That's my piece on that. Also, in reference to that, shout out to the man, um, James Shaw, who apparently disarmed the man and saved those people. So shout out to bro for, for saving lives out there, man. And some um, bravery is an underrated quality in the current world we live in. We live in a world right now, a country right now, based on sarcasm and who could be the biggest asshole. So to see somebody out go out there and risk their life to save a bunch of people he probably didn't fucking know, kudos to that man. May all the blessings in the world come your way. And for the man who came in there butt-ass naked or half-naked to try to, to, to that kill those people, I said it before, I said it again, I wish you the worst pain and worst misfortune in life. And also, anybody who helped you, aided or assisted in this event, I wish them double the amount of pain that you get because they helped you do this shit. It's a travesty, a tragedy. Any fucked up adjective you can add to that list, it's all of those. And I'm ready for this shit to stop. I'm just going on percentages, folks. I don't want all guns out, but if you eliminate certain guns that could do certain amount of damage, the percentages of people who can get them will fall off. I just want the percentage, percentages to decrease. That's it, man. That's all. And I really think that's all. In, oh, yeah. A, a little a little bit of news. A little bit. And it's more music news than anything else. Because th this podcast might be short if I can get off everything I want to real quick. Um, Taylor motherfucking Swift. Now, I'm all about you bringing a past musical act into the forefront. If you want to sample that music and get clearance, cool, fine. I would prefer to not see somebody go Bruno Mars with it and completely rip off everybody else, even though he's super talented. I will say this about Bruno Mars. He does them justice. This Taylor Swift, Earth, Wind, and Fire, that shit is trash. I only heard a little bit of it, and I had to cut that shit off. As a person who grew up listening to that, I'm I'm so disappointed, and I feel slightly disrespected. <laughs> my mother used to play that song. I I equivalent that song to my mother. So to to hear somebody tarnish it like that with a remake makes me sad and angry at the same time. I will say sangry. I'm sangry right now because Taylor Swift, who's who's a pretty who's a good artist, she does her thing. She doesn't really make music that um that I can gravitate to and that I feel and that I like. But to say that she's not a good artist would be just a complete lie because her success speaks for itself. For her to fuck that song up that way is crazy. If you can't do a song and make it at least sound somewhat close to the original but putting your spin on it, don't fucking do it. If you got to slow the song all the way down and just fuck it all the way up, you're better off not doing it. 
If you're not gonna breathe new life, to the, just don't shut it down. Don't do it. Somebody in your camp should have told you that. I feel like it's a money grab. Maybe you're trying to add a new demographic to your fan base. I just can't. I can't see it. Like Drake recently sampled Lauren Hill when he for his uh, new song "Nice for What," and I think it was X Factor he said he sampled. But he sped it up and did it in a way where it paid homage. You know that's long when you hear it. But he didn't completely damage her song. He just chopped a piece of it up and and made it a beat. Or whoever made the beat chopped it up. And then they made it kind of something new with a little splash of X Factor. What, from what I can tell, what Taylor Swift did, she ruined that song. And I'm so disappointed. I'm so sangry. At the situation makes me mad because I didn't grow up in the Prince household like everybody else. I grew up in a Frankie Beverly and Maze with Earth, Wind, and Fire household. So this makes me mad. It hurts me, man. If you can't do it the right way, just leave it the fuck alone. Leave it alone. Damn. Um, I'm going to go ahead and get into um, more music. I, I have a question. Shout out to Cardi B for her success. And then Nicki dropped two new songs, Barbie Tings and Chun-Li, which is not better than the Wally Nipsey Hussle version, by the way. I haven't heard all of Cardi's album. I did hear the intro. The intro was tough. The intro is tough. People getting a little reckless talking about it's one of the best intros next to Meek Mill. I'm, I'm going to need y'all to go listen to Beanie Siegel's his second album. The intro from that is fucking crazy. It's called Nothing Like It. Y'all need to go listen to that Nas Stillmatic intro from the album Stillmatic. There's a lot of dope intros. Y'all need to listen to Tupac Bomb first of Machiavelli. You want to talk about dope-ass intros. I know Jay got one in there somewhere, but I can't really remember which one it is. I like a lot of his albums. And that Nipsey Hussle, the Victory Lament, that shit is hard. Y'all sleeping. Like, Cardi's intro was dope, but before you want to put it next to that Meek Mill shit, which is definitely a classic intro level, you might want to do your homework. But what I, re I really want to say about um, the whole Cardi and Nicki situation, ladies and gentlemen who listen to this, we don't have to pit them against each other. We don't have to assume that the lines in this song are going towards each other. We don't assume that with every male. So let's stop putting that poison in. Let's stop putting that poison. Just because you like a certain artist don't mean you have to pick sides. Especially when we have so few female artists that are popping right now. You don't have to pick sides. And if they do got something going on between each other, okay, it'll play out. We'll see it. And then once they, once a name gets said, then I'm like, all right, pick your side. But they ain't really saying names right now. And I know it's the age of subliminals and all that shit. But let them say a name, then pick your side. At least let it, at least let it be official before you jump out the window and say, oh, I don't fuck with this one no more. But my real, real point, I mentioned I listened to Rhapsody today and my real point is, is like I get that Nicki and Cardi B are talented in what they do but I would like to hear women talk about Rhapsody more I, she gets put in the category lyric wise with the men a lot of the times because she's so dope but she's still a female rapper and she probably has more I'm going to venture to say she has a thousand percent more support from the male side than the female side Maybe because she doesn't go out there flaunt her sexuality. She's not going out there scantily clad, doing all this bull, this ratchet bullshit, as we call it. All this thought shit. And I know Cardi got her background. I know Nikki got her background. But you can still carry yourself a certain way. I ain't saying you, you can't go out there and be free and be yourself. I'm just saying if you look at the quality of person that they're portraying, like if you, look, if you line them all three up, who was the most authentic? I don't know. Cardi B seemed to be doing herself. I mean, to be being herself. She could be playing everybody into thinking she's dumber than what she is, but I think she might be. But Rhapsody, I feel like she's the person she is. That's who she is. Up and down, left and right, day in, day out, 12 to 12 on the clock. I feel like that's who she is. And her music is dope. It's personal. And if you don't know who she is, if I know everybody in their mama got Netflix. Go to Netflix. Look up the documentary series Rapture. Obviously, it's about rappers. And look up the um, 
and go to the, the Rhapsody episode. And when you see that she's over there constantly uh, with Ninth Wonder, she's on Ninth Wonder's uh, label on a partnership with Rock Nation. That should let you know right there that she's dope. And you see her hugging the likes of Common and having features from people like Kendrick and Black Thought, you know she's dope. So I would like to hear women support a woman that's more of the everyday the everyday person, the more of the everyday black woman, and get her over the top and get her name in the media like they're doing for all these other fake, fictitious characters that's being supported. Men too, man, we got to get behind our, our female our female rappers out there, support them, make sure that, you know, if, like, let it be known that we will support them. Maybe there's a young woman coming behind them that wants to do the same thing but doesn't want to be like Nikki or doesn't want to be like Cardi. Maybe she's just a regular young woman who doesn't see that Rhapsody can get the can get in there and get the same recognition. She's nominated for a fucking Grammy, a two-time Grammy nominee, and this fucking crickets around her name. Well, Layla's Wisdom was quietly one of the best rap albums to come out. And um, I think a lot of people missed out on that. So if you're not checking for that, check for that. Especially my ladies out there. Put it in your playlist. Get a couple of songs. A song called Power with Kendrick. There's a song called Sassy. She got, I mean, our whole album is good. I would just check it out. Homies out there, put your ladies on it. If they are already ain't on it. Sticking with the music. J. Cole dropped KOD. A part of me feels like he was trolling with the album. A part of me feels like he, you know, he gave everybody, all the youngins, a little spanking. We saw Jay-Z do it with his whole album. We saw Kendrick do it when he did uh, the song King Kunta. He gave him a little spanking, let him know what's up. But the, I think the, the best part of it is the sincerity of the album where he's talking about addiction and you know how you find other ways to deal with shit. Don't let that be your first the first thing you go to if some type of substance to cure your pain. I think that's really important. You know, in an era where Everybody likes to say it's the dealer versus the user now. That's it's true. A lot of a lot of the fucking um of the music coming out now, especially from the younger guys, it's all about drug use. Now is the drug dealer portion is that that much better that you were selling drugs? No. It's not that much better that you were actually out there selling dope. That's the era they come from. That's just that's just the time we grew up in. Right? For people in my generation. That's the time we grew up in. When people was rapping about what they was fucking doing, selling drugs. Now you got the kids rapping about using the fucking drugs. And you got to ask yourself, who created these drug addicts? That's a crazy thought. But the music, with the music, the young guys, he mentioned it in the song 1985, which in, in my opinion is the most important song on the album, where he basically tells them, think about where you're going to be in five years. In five years, he's going to still be around. You're going to be out of here because you were basically riding the trend. And if you, if you look at it, you don't hear these names a lot anymore. Like Kodak Black, you still hear Kodak name. Lil Uzi name ain't out there like it was. Yachty, you don't really hear too much from Yachty. He's supposed to do something with Takeoff, but that, that ain't really happening right now. And if I'm Takeoff, do I really attach myself to that? You just dropped the album. You're probably going to be on tour soon. Are you really going to have time to do a joint product, project? with Yachty who's doing nothing right now but cooling the fuck off I think his last album was supposed to have flopped so you're probably going to be on tour he's cooling off you really need to make a song with this guy I don't see it making sense when you fresh off culture too don't really make sense there's, there's another rapper I'm forgetting I already forgot his name um, yeah I guess he ain't really that important but you now, now, now they're talking about Takashi now they talk about um, Lil Zan or some shit. Lil Zan and look like the little pump dude who had that one song, Gucci Gang. I don't know if he had a follow-up after that. Um, yeah, I don't know where these boys at. It looked like they out of here to me. But that's the nature, that's the nature of rap music, of hip-hop music right now. With the accessibility we have to it, to get it so fast, to download it to stream it, to go to that piff and get it for free. You you hit a day going tomorrow, so you gotta make something that lasts. You gotta think about yourself 
like outside of the song you just made, if your future self listened to this, if your son, your daughter, whoever listens to this song, how are they going to look at you? I'm not saying you got to. I'm just saying the artists that are making music like that are probably going to be performing around the time that their kids get to that age. Because people who make quality music can stay around, they can go on tour. People who ride these trends and these waves, gone. Two to three years max, they out of here. If that follow-up ain't dope, phew, bye. You misstep on the album, phew, bye. Because every week, there's somebody coming out. And you got to know the record labels are noticing this high turnover of artists. So they're always looking for the next few things. So when you have that misstep on the mixtape, or you get shows canceled like Takashi, or you can't follow up with an album because you can only make, yeah, yeah, whatever the fuck music, once that's a wrap and that wave is gone, you ass out. Look at Yachty right now. A Boogie going to be all right. A Boogie got a tight circle. Dave East. Dave is going to be all right. I think Kodak going to be all right. I think Kodak Black is going to grow. And that's not my Florida bias, but he has people looking out for him. People like Jeezy going to see him when he's fresh out of jail. So he has the potential to grow and do more things. He just has to find his way. But this KOD album, though, is dope. And the, the crazy thing about it is, the crazy thing, my, look, my young partner's on Facebook as we, you know, we go back and forth, and we just fucking around with each other talking about who's trash. He's like, he love Gucci. I'm a big, I'm a J. Cole fan. And he, his whole timeline, J. Cole, trash, J. Cole, trash. And I basically told him, I said, nigga, you, my, you love J. Cole. You just promote his album all fucking day. But the crazy thing is, and, it, and it's not just him, because that's my bro. I love bro. But there's a lot of people who, who are like, man, fuck J. Cole. He trash. When this cat just dropped a whole album about not falling victim to addiction, and the rappers they listen to are probably halfway fried out of their they mind on fucking prescription drugs, uh, syrup, or some other type of fucking drug. That's it's crazy to me. Like the guy who's telling you, "Hey, don't fall victim to a, addiction," is the guy that y'all shitting on, but the guy who you're supporting is telling you about all types of drugs. He's on and promoting all type of drug use. It's crazy. And I know, hey, everybody wants to party, have a good time. That's cool. I would just say add some balance to your life. Get your trunk music or whatever, and then have you some conscious shit or some, some shit right in the middle. Some shit right in the middle. Right on the line. And I think you'll be fine. It ain't got to be all reading books. Sometimes you need to watch a stupid-ass TV show. Like I can, my daughter can watch National Geographic and then go watch Gumball. And she, she has balance. It's cool either way. She can watch The Loud House, but then she'll want to watch The Science Channel later. Balance. It ain't hard. Just find your balance. But yeah, that J. Cole shit is hard, though. And you got these drug addict fucking kids talking about he garbage. Is your mind right? Are you thinking clear? Because, yeah, that's that's I just don't understand that. I don't understand it. It just, for me, it promotes... The wrong thing. And I know I'm older. I've been through life and shit. And I understand that when kids are younger, you're not thinking about that shit. You're not thinking past today. You're not thinking past tomorrow. It's hard to ask somebody 20 years old to think five years ahead. They don't even know that they need to do that shit. Shit, this 25-year-olds don't know you need to think five years ahead. And most people don't because I'm, I'm going to keep it a buck with you. I'm going to keep it all the way real with you. Right? You only think about your future when you're currently struggling. That's a fact. You only think about your future when you're currently struggling. Like, damn, I'm fucked up, man. Next month, my bills ain't going to be like this. My bills going to be straight next month. I'm going to make sure I don't fuck up my money. Right? When you up, you don't think about that shit either. When you up, you should think about your past. Like, man, I'm up right now. I'm good. My money's straight. Cool. So when you up, you should actually think about your past and your future. Like, yo, three months back, I was out here fucked up. Right now, I'm up. Two months later, 
I don't want to be like I was three months ago. I'm trying to be where I'm at now. So I got to stay, I got to stay moving. I got to stay elevated, man. I got to stay on my grind and my hustle to make sure I don't fall victim to what I fell victim to three months ago. And that's hard, especially when you're young or especially when you're in a pattern of um, doing things a certain type of way because for a lot of us who came up living check to check, their parents probably came up living check to check and their, their parents probably came up living check to check. And that's, that's, I want to say that's popular in the minority household and shit. Like I say, some, not all. But we got to change the mentality from survive to thrive. We've been fighting to survive for a long fucking time. And this goes for everybody poor, white, black, Latino, Asian, Arab, whatever you want to be. This goes for everybody poor. You have to be the one in your family to change your mentality from survive to thrive. Because if you're thriving, you're, you're, you're set to survive. If you're, if you're surviving, it's a long way to thrive. I know that's a lot of back and forth, but I just I just wanted to sink in. I hope it makes sense because one thing I know, two things for sure. You make poor choices, you're going to pay rich consequences. That's a fucking fact. You put out dumb shit, dumb shit going to come back to you, man. So you, you just got to gotta be careful on these streets. And now in this world, when you... When you're moving around and, and doing things. And you got to learn from your mistakes. Think about think about your future and your past often. Because before you know it, your future will be your present. And your present will be your fucking past. That's just a little bar I figured I'd give y'all this week on this lovely podcast. And from there, man, I'm going to jump ten toes deep into this sports shit. I'm still not paying attention to football. I know the schedules and shit came out. They're expecting the Patriots, the Patriots to do well, as always. I think they got the – seen the meme, or I, I hope it was a meme, where it said they got the Eagles going undefeated. That's a stretch. I think they're adding new people. Who knows if that chemistry will be the same. It'll be good for Philly. As long as they ain't playing none of my teams, I don't give a shit. I heard Mitch is looking good in camp. Excellent for the Bears. I don't know what the fuck's going in Jacksonville with my Jaguars. But I know them boys hungry, and I know they pissed right now. I know they pissed. Aaron Judge is hitting crushing home runs for the Yankees. Crushing them. Thank you. Thank you. I wish I could go to a Yankees game. Thank you, Aaron Judge, for doing your thing. The Padres pitcher blue and no hitter. I'm not going to say blue and no hitter. I'm going to say I wasn't watching the game. I got the alert. He almost had a no hitter, and then he didn't. And then the next day, some other asshole for some other team I don't give a shit about Got a no-hitter. So I was slightly pissed. Fuck. This is why I don't watch baseball like I said I was going to do this year. I lied to myself again. Now now that we're done with that, let's talk about these NBA playoffs. First and foremost, Hassan Whiteside got to chill. He said some shit about him not being in the game, late in the game. He was pissed about not getting playing time. And from when I was watching Miami, he was not on the court a lot. And then when I did see him on the court, he fucked up. You can't do that shit in the playoffs and talk about not getting player time. Hassan Whiteside, you got to chill. Um, how long before we start recognizing that Anthony Davis is probably the fourth best player in the world? I want to say there's just about nothing he can't do. Score inside, outside, defend. Anthony Davis ain't damn near the best player in the world. Will he surpass KD and Kawhi, who's probably probably go two and three? Depending on which way you lean. Because I, st- I don't give a shit if nobody say LeBron's still number one. But how long before we start saying that Anthony Davis is the best player in the world? I'm, I'll say I give it two to three years before you take that spot. Depending on what KD Kawhi, and Kawhi do. I, I just don't know how long before we can. Depending on this playoff run, we'll, we'll see how much faster that conversation picks up. Because it started two years ago. I forgot which uh which sportcast which sportcaster said it, but it started a couple years ago. We shall see. Now, speaking of Anthony Davis, I feel so bad for da- uh, Damian Lillard, man. The fucking Trailblazers getting swept. I'm not the biggest Trailblazer fan, but I am a fan of Damian Lillard. I don't watch all his games. I don't get all his games on TV, but he's just somebody I just want him to do well. I don't know why. I just want him to do well and do his thing. I think it's sad that he's out the playoffs already. We'll see if they get it together next year. The Timberwolves. 
more importantly, D Rose. D Rose dropped like 17 off the bench. D Rose is playing for his old coach with familiar teammates. God damn it, D Rose might be back. I don't want to speak too soon. I don't want to jinx it. But put up 17 in the playoffs, coming off the bench, that's pretty fucking big. That's pretty big in the game when your team needed it because I think they were down 2 0. And that was a big win. And they probably wouldn't have got it without D Rose. So I think it's excellent that that's happened. That's, he's still like my favorite player in the league with all the injuries and all that shit. I love to watch him play and go out there and do his thing. I hate that he seems to be off in the corner sometimes without the ball, but I understand that he's not asked to do the same things that he was, as he was when he was the primary option in Chicago and even as the primary ball handler in New York. But it, it does my heart some good to see D. Rose out there playing and doing his thing in the playoffs. Excellent. What else? Oh, yeah, apparently Ricky Rubio roasted the fucking uh, Thunder the other day. Giannis got a tip-in win today to tie the series 2-2 with Boston. That, that's probably going to be the best series. I'm mad I didn't watch that game, but I was into some other shit today. Um, What else? Who else played? So I'm going to get right to it. Uh, LeBron's in trouble. Down 2-1, playing a pretty good Indiana team. LeBron James is in fucking trouble. Now, I know he is who he is, and he does what he does. Can he continue to score 40-point games? If he wanted to, yeah. I don't know how much it would cause him to break down towards the end of the playoffs, but if he got to do it, he can do it. And this ain't even really on him, what I'm talking about, because even though He's failing my eye test right now for that goat shit that, that I talked about like an episode or two ago. I, you got to stop comparing him to Michael Jordan. When this motherfucker's walking down the court after a missed shot in the fucking playoffs, you got to shut all that fucking Michael Jordan comparison shit down. That's that's out the window right now. You're you not comparing him to Kobe right now. That I got three rings. I'm the best player in the world. Walking down the court bullshit. That's a wrap. You can't do that shit no more. You, you put yourself out the conversation when you do shit like that. Well, you're not intense about the shit in the playoffs when y'all fucking losing and y'all adding a away game. You can't afford to do that. You don't have a team for that. So in my opinion, all that fucking him and MJ conversation got to stop. Now, as far as the playoffs, though, what's going on with the Cavs, that ain't really all his fault. Unless he had some influence on the trades and what they got. And I know that's saying a lot, thinking the player can make that move can help that move get made, but if, there, if there's any player in the league right now that can make that happen, I would say it's LeBron James. But the, the rest of the Cavs got to pick it the fuck up. Like Kevin Love is trying, but he's not an athletic, I'm going to get my own shot type of guy. He's a stretch for who rebounds. That That's what K-Love is. And they need, they need a, a secondary person who can create their own shot. They probably... I'm, I'm going to say they need to play Jordan Clarkson more. I never understood, and hopefully somebody can let me know, I never understood why the uh, coaches shrink their shrink their rotation in the playoffs. I feel like it wears players out. I feel like in Jordan uh, Clarkson, they got a score. They got a bona fide score on the bench who's not only going to shoot the mid-range, he's going to drive. So I don't see the purpose for him not playing, especially when you need buckets. Like, let LeBron get a blow and let him and just cut him loose and let him go score and then give him a shoot he can kick to or put Tristan Thompson in so he can dump it off inside or Larry Nance Jr. Give him something. Shit, because you can't have LeBron playing the whole fucking game. You can't have him doing that. Yeah, he's averaging the most minutes, but what is that yielding? You you were projected to be the top seed in the fucking playoffs this year and you are like the third or fourth seed. So you playing all those minutes and breaking these records don't mean shit if you're not going to fucking win. And you're playing against a good team, but not a great team. Now keep in mind, he's going up against a hell of a lineup. Miles Turner, Trevor Booker, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's a sniper. He'll bust your ass from deep. And he's picked up his defense. Lance Stevenson, who everybody knows is a fact on, especially in the playoffs. And then you got Oladipo, who's going to shoot the lights out these days. He's a, 
he's reborn. And I just don't know because the eye test says the Indiana Pacers are a better team. On paper, maybe they may be about even. But right now, what's going on, the Pacers are definitely younger and more athletic than what they got going on in Cleveland. And I don't, they blew a fucking 17-point lead. These guys may not be mentally ready to go to the level LeBron needs them to go to. I want to see Rodney Hood get more touches. And he had a few last game. He just didn't make it. He just didn't make the shots. Maybe, maybe these guys need to get into the game earlier. Maybe that's the issue. I don't fucking know. But there it is. The playoffs in a nutshell. Uh, I don't know who I don't know who won the day really. Um but fuck it, I'll find out. I'll let y'all know next goddamn week after somebody else gets knocked out in the playoffs. But I did want to hit y'all with um a little bit what I talked about when I was talking about role players and how I have a little bit of love for them and I I was talking about Ron Harper like an episode or so ago and how he was a key component to championship teams. So I took it upon myself to create my very own NBA Role Player Hall of Fame, baby. My own NBA Role Player Hall of Fame. Now, you should recognize these names because they're all champions, and they're all multiple champions. So that was my that was my stipulation for this. You had to be a multiple champion. I say you had to have at least three rings to be considered in this group. So without further ado, here are my NBA role-playing Hall of Fame members. And the first person is actually in the Hall of Fame. I know I'm kind of cheating, but to me, he was like the ultimate role player. He was crazy, though, and that person is Dennis Rodman. Dennis Rodman didn't score a lot of points, but he was a lockdown defender. I think he was defensive player of the year at least once, and he led the league in um, rebounding. And for him to be an undersized forward to do that is fucking phenomenal. But a lot of times his energy and his enthusiasm helped out the Pistons during the game. If you look at the documentary, the Bad Boys, the 30 for 30 they did for the Detroit Pistons, you can hear how the, his teammates described him and how they moved him into the starting lineup when they were when they were dragging during their second championship run. So for me, and then for what he did with the Bulls, just being in the right place at the right time, bringing that energy and competitiveness to the team, helping them with their, um, as they won their three rings, on the second go-round, I got to have Dennis Rodman in my role player Hall of Fame, even though he's already a regular-ass Hall of Famer. But fuck that, this is my shit. Number two, Chicago Bulls. There's going to be a lot of them on here, maybe two or three. Horace Grant. Horace Grant won three championships with the Chicago Bulls and won with the Lakers. He was a big, and strong enforcer on the inside, good rebounder, did his job. Helped the Bulls to three championships and got one with the Lakers. I don't know for the life of me why, why I know why he left the Bulls. He left when Jordan left. He went to Orlando. They were a good team. He thought he could help them out, have a veteran presence. It didn't work out. He ended up in L.A. Guess who's in L.A.? Phil Jackson. Guess what happens for Horace Grant? Boom, another ring. Ain't that magic. Ain't that crazy how life works. Boom, and then number, a number three person, probably the greatest I say the greatest playoff role player of all time, big shot Bob Robert Ory, seven goddamn rings. He got what did he get rings? He had two rings with Houston. He had at least one with LA, and he had rings with San Antonio. All in the Western Conference. Impressive. Y'all know big shot Bob. Big shot Bob might be the reason I'm a Laker fan right now. To be honest. I became a Laker fan watching the Kings play the Lakers when Vladi Divac knocked that ball out. And I was doing it just to mess with my old lady because she was a Kings fan. I tell the story all the time. I probably told her on this already, but Vladi Divac knocks the ball out. And who's back there to catch it but Robert Ory? Drano drops the three. The arena fucking erupts. The Lakers win the game. They go on to win the series. Then they go to the finals and beat the shit out of whoever they played that year. Probably the Nets. Or whoever they play. Don't matter. They won. But Robert Ory, big shot Bob is on my had to be on my list, of course, man. Seven rings? And you had a key role in all those rings hitting shots late? Come on, man. My other guy, Ron Harper. Of course. I talked about him last week. 
five. He had four with the Bulls, three with the Bulls, and two with the Lakers. He did this thing. I talked about him being a point guard and a wing defender. I think he was going to be LeBron before LeBron as far as being from Ohio and then getting drafted by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Unfortunately for him, he got hurt. But that's probably the best thing to happen to him career-wise because after that, he ended up being on five championship teams in six years. Can't be mad at that, man. Can't be mad at that at all. So Ron Harper is my guy. He made the list, of course. Another Chicago Bull. Three rings. Tony Kukoc, the swing man. Everybody's like, oh, Jordan had Tony Kukoc. Just don't act like Tony Kukoc was a, was a superstar. Tony Kukoc on any other team is a good European basketball player. And people like to paint him as a superstar because, like, they all, oh, yeah, at him when they do the LeBron-MJ comparison. Was he great? He was pretty good. I wouldn't call him great. He was really good in the system in which he played. When he left the Bulls, obviously it did not work out as well. He wasn't on as good a team, but he was a really good player. He could handle the ball well. He, could, he can be at the right spot at the right time. He could shoot. Tony Kukoc was a key component to the Bulls on that three, on that, uh, that, that last set of three rings, man. I'm coming off the bench and doing this thing. So you got to have some love for Tony Kukoc, man, the Croatian sensation. Damn it. Three rings. Next on my list, another San Antonio Spur, Bruce Bowen, lockdown defender, 3 and D corner three type of guy. Bruce Bowen was a guy that aggravated the best offensive perimeter guy on any team he played against. The ugly ball head motherfucker who like a light bulb. He actually, if you think about Bruce Bowen, he looks like Squidward from SpongeBob. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, Cuz was cold. He can, he can kill you from three. When he's over there in the corner, minding his business, not being noticed while everybody's paying attention to Ginobili, uh, fucking Parker, and um, I can't believe, Tim Duncan. While everybody's paying attention to them, fucking Bruce Bowen sneaks off to the corner, knocks down a three, and then goes back down to the other side of the court and locks down your favorite wing offensive player, a la Kobe Bryant and whoever else was playing the wing at that time in the West during the playoffs. So Bruce Bowen definitely makes my NBA role player Hall of Fame for being a great defender and a decent shooter, especially during the playoffs. All right, next on the list, Steve Kerr. <laughs> Steve Kerr got five rings as a player, three with the Bulls, two with the Spurs, and he just got, he has seven rings total. I think three with the Bulls, two with the Spurs, and two with Golden State. One of those rings he should probably, he should probably get a Mark Jackson. We ain't going to talk about that, though. But Steve Kerr, man, doing your fucking job, being a three-point shooting point guard who may not bring the ball up all the time, who may not have the biggest assist total, who may not score the most points, but being able to do your fucking job when you're called upon and knock down an open three, Steve Kerr, man, five-time champion. I remember him hitting key shots in Chicago and in San Antonio. Do I got to say anymore? And you're going to be going down as one of the best coaches of all time probably? I mean, look at this playoff run he's been on. Dealing with an illness? Steve Kerr, my NBA role player Hall of Fame. Next on the list, somebody else with five rings. Point guard, good defender, good shooter, clutch. Most importantly, a team leader in a locker room with two Hall of Famers. Derek Fisher. The failed coach. I, I won't call him, I won't call him a completely failed coach. But he, I say he's trying his hand at coaching. Derek Fisher, right place, right time, handled business. And his second stint with the Lakers, he went back and got two more rings. You can't deny the importance of Derek Fisher to the Lakers and running that triangle offense. He hit big shots. He did what he was supposed to do. He didn't get out of his way. He didn't get out of his lane. He handled business and became a leader in that locker room. You got to respect Derek Fisher for what he means to the Lakers organization and me as a Laker fan. Gotta have Derek Fisher in my um in my NBA role player Hall of Fame, baby. John Sally. Come on, man. John Sally. The big man. Another bad boy piston who ended up playing with the Bulls for a little bit. So John Sally got a ring with the Pistons. I think he got one with the Bulls, but I know he got one with the Lakers. So I, I say I think he got four. I'm gonna have to go back and look at that, but I'm pretty sure John Sally had four rings. Two with the Pistons, one with the Bulls, one with the Lakers. Just a big guy doing big guy shit. 
He was agile, more agile than most big men. He did his thing and always made him a valuable asset to any team he was on. So John Sally, who segued into the whole commentating and acting thing a lot faster than most NBA players do. So shout out to John Sally for making my role player Hall of Fame. Who else we got? Mario Eli. Eli? Eli? I can't remember. Mario Eli, another point guard. See, it pays being able to shoot in this league. It pays. If you can knock down a jumper, you can get on the team. You just got to be consistent. If you can run an offense and knock down a jumper and play decent defense, you can be on the team, man. You can make it in the NBA. But, yeah, Mario Eli, he got two, I want to say, two at Houston. Had one with the Spurs. He got all his rings in Texas. That's that's a big deal. I don't know them, well, him and uh, Robert Orr, yeah. little rivalry there. Houston and San Antonio, but he got all his rings there, being in the right spot at the right time, doing what his team needed him to do, not getting in the way, getting the job done. Shout out to Mario Ellie. Also on my list, I didn't really get to see him play, but I love his highlights, and he played for the Lakers. My man, Kurt Rambis, you know, the resident tough guy on the squad, <laughs> the guy who's going to jump out of bounds, the guy who's going to secure the rebound, he's going to throw the screen, he's going to take the charge and look crazy while doing it. Kurt Rambis is the guy. You need guys like that on your team to win a championship. Think about Mark Madsen, who got a couple of rings playing for the Lakers. Set screens and get offensive rebounds. Do your fucking job, and you too can be a champion. Boom. Kurt Rambis. Another one. Another Laker. Rick Fox. Another tough guy. Another guy who's going who's gonna to set screens, knock down a... A shot every now and again when needed to, but he's going to play really good defense and make it hard for the other team to score. How can I not have Rick Fox on the list with three rings, bro? You, you got to have him on. He's a Laker. He got three rings. Come on, baby. Rick Fox. And he segued nicely into acting. So you got to show Rick Fox some love. Another guy. Another, I'll say another undersized big man on the list. All his rings in Miami was the longest tenured player on the Heat. Udonis Haslam, man. You talking about doing your job and letting your game evolve a little bit, making you an anchor on that team. Udonis Haslam, man, defensive stopper down in the post, getting the rebounds, doing the gritty shit that other players don't want to do, giving that effort. Got to go Udo, man. He's a leader in the locker room, a mentor to younger players, does what he's supposed to do, enhances the best players on the team by making sure they get touches, by grabbing the rebound and getting the ball. And then he extended his game out by developing a little mid-range jump shot that other teams weren't expecting. Donis Haslam, baby. Even though I think he's a Florida Gator, he was a part of uh, the Miami Heat championships teams. And I like to see, in the pros at least, I like to see teams in Florida win championships. In college, I don't want to see nobody else in Florida win championships. Well, maybe FAU and, uh, you know, UCF, USF. But not the, not the fucking Gators and the Kings. I don't want to see them win shit. But, yeah, man, you done this Haslam, man. Doing this thing. And the last person on my list, Brian Shaw. Three rings. I think he got them all with the Lakers. Basically took the spot for uh, Ron Harper, man. Another guy who probably played the two most of his career. You know, as his, as his career progressed, he slowed down. But he his knowledge and his ability to run an offense to play the game, Got him a spot with the Lakers where he won three rings and segued nicely into being a coach. So, I mean, hey, it goes to show you if you do your fucking job, you'll be all right. But if you don't do your job, you'll get pushed off the team like Craig Hodges did in Chicago if you get in the star player's way. And it's all about roles, man. Like in, even in life and a group of friends and your job, everybody got to know their role. You may be ready for the next step, you may think you're ready, but you're not there yet. You got to bide your time and get in where you fit in and help any situation you're a part of, man. That's what you got to do. And by the way, the Wizards came from down 14 to beat the Raptors. The series is not even 2-2. I still don't think that's the most intriguing playoff series. I still think it's LeBron and uh, Cleveland seeing what they can do in Indiana, man. But, yeah, I feel like this has been a good one. I'm going to end it on that note. Remember what I said, man. You make poor choices. You're going to pay rich consequences. That's just a fact of life. If you spitting the wind, be ready for the blowback, baby. And with that, that's it. Um, like I always say, learn something tomorrow you didn't learn today. 
Make tomorrow better than today. All that shit. I still got merch. I got the Assume Guilty t-shirts and all that shit now on um, Threatless. So it's noplayingthisride.threatless.com. If you want to buy stuff, you don't have to. But if you want to look fly the most, I let them know you listen to the dopest shit in podcast land. Go on down the Threatless, buy some shit, take pictures with it, and share it all over the internet, and let people know you got it. Also, you can reach me at noplayingthisride.com. At gmail.com, all lowercase, noplayingthisride at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter, noplay247, capital N, lowercase o, capital P, L-A-Y, noplay247 at Twitter. At me, talk shit if you disagree with me, troll me. I guarantee I got some fire for your ass after I get off work because I can't really have my fun. Anyway, y'all know what I'm talking about. Also, it's a Facebook page. Go there. I'm trying to do stuff with it. I'm not tending to it like I should. But if there's activity on there, I might start pushing more stuff on that page, man. Also, one of my partners is putting out a project. He's, I think he engineered this project. He may have produced it, but I think he might have mixed it. It's called Captured. It's by an artist named Mimi. It'll be out for um, pre-order, I think, Monday, so tomorrow. And it'll be available May 1st on all streaming platforms. It's called Captured. I tweeted it out a little while ago. And I will probably tweet it out again tomorrow at some point. Be on the lookout for this smooth R&B, artsy, fartsy type stuff. It's good. You should enjoy it. Support me supporting the homie. Do good things. Support your circle. Definitely support your circle. All right, man. Blackout. No plan.